Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Michael Trent, Mikey, uh, I think we have to have an agreement here, man. Uh, you don't want to talk about the Pro Bowl. I don't want to talk about baseball. Okay. How are we going to do that? <laughs> it's pretty simple, man. Uh, look, and the only thing I'll let you talk about is the uh, the, the spread on the game for the, for the degenerate gamblers. I don't know if you've looked at it. I think it's minus one, uh, but that's all we're going to talk about when it comes to the Pro Bowl. Well, let's put it this way. The over and under is three. You said Pro Bowl twice. I just said it, so I guess we went over. Uh, enough about the Pro Bowl. No Pro Bowl talk. No baseball talk. Let's just talk about dynasty football and uh, and the Super Bowl. How's that sound? Well, we are going to talk a lot about dynasty football tonight with our guest, uh, Shane P. Hallam. He'll be with us uh, tonight to talk dynasty wide receivers for all the dynasty uh, crazies out there, including me. Uh, So we will be talking about that tonight. 347-324-5404 is the number. The crew here, the chat room at Red vs. Blue, sponsored by V2SIGS, helping break out uh, those uh, into freedom smoke-free. So uh, V2SIGS tonight. And this is the Friday Night Football Show on Red Blue Radio. We are live on uh, Fantasy Sports Channel, fsc.fm. And we stream uh, on iTunes, and you can uh, download the podcast on your iPod or MP3 player. Mike, you took the Atlanta Falcons last week in the talk. Uh, it was a big game uh, for the Falcons in the first half, and then a big game for the Niners' defense in Colin Kaepernick, the rushing game in the second half. That pistol off, it seems to be working for the Niners. Do you think Kaepernick can survive long-term? I mean, the pistol offense kind of dangerous. You start taking those hits to the quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, you know, five years from now. Are they going to be able to do that? Oh, uh, you know, I think they will. Uh, but the the thing is, is Atlanta did the same thing. And if you remember, I, I commented on the show. I hope they don't do the same thing they did they did against Seattle, which they did. Come out, they come out on fire. Defense, offense was clicking, and next thing you know, they fold up like an accordion in the second half. Uh, and a lot of credit to that goes to Kaepernick. And, you know, they're, they're the favorites in the Super Bowl. Let's face it. San Francisco is a favorite in the Super Bowl. Uh, but, you know, I, I just – I'm not so sure that uh, Kaepernick and that whole team uh, can do it. But we got another week uh, 
We got a few days to think about that. We were in Las Vegas. The entire Fantasy Football World Championship team was out there uh, in Las Vegas for conference championship weekend uh, at the FSTA, the Fantasy Sports Trade Association in Las Vegas. It was a lot of fun. Met up with a lot of good guys out there in the industry. Uh, we will talk about that a little bit uh, while we wait for Shane to join us tonight. Uh, and we did get to watch the, the the conference championship games a lot, you know, at the Mirage, our host hotel at the FFWC. Uh, everybody got to feel and experience the Mirage on conference championship weekend. Great place to be. We love having our players and our live events at the Mirage. They want to be the home of high stakes fantasy football. They've embraced the FFWC. We're really happy about that. That's our host home hotel. It was nice to have everybody out there, Mike, and we made some really good yeah. contacts and relationships out there. We're, we're looking for white-label software partners. We're also looking for content, premium content providers for FFToolbox.com, the new website that we'll be launching uh, this year, the redesign for FFToolbox.com. So pretty excited about 2013, Mike, and all of the events at the FFWC. But let's start with that game, San Francisco at Atlanta, Atlanta at home, started pouring it on, and I'm going to ask you, since we're talking about dynasty wide receivers, was that game enough for you finally to put Julio Jones ahead of Roddy White in your dynasty and redraft rankings? I think you almost have to. I mean, the, the catch that he made was fantastic. It was uh, it, it was beautiful. Uh, and it just shows right there that the confidence that uh, Matt Ryan has in Julio Jones. Uh with that said, you have to understand that a lot of these things are regular season. We're, t- we're talking about fantasy football. It's going to be regular season things. Uh, it just seems Julio is Julio seems like a Joe Flacco sometimes, where it's when the game is on the line, that guy's going to show up all the time. But if it's week one through thirteen, the guy's going to show up every once in a while. Yeah, it was a it was a big day for Julio Jones. Eleven receptions, 182 yards, two touchdowns, the long one for 46 yards to get it started off. Everybody that took Julio in their playoff contest, their playoff leagues, they were finally rewarded with that big game to put them in the hunt. Uh, obviously, that uh, did well for several teams. Mike, I know uh, we're going to talk about your team here in a little bit when we get to that game. But also we saw on the other side of the ball, uh, Vernon Davis finally emerged. We talked about yeah. that, and I, asked, I I talked about that at length last week. I said, you know what, are they saving Vernon Davis for the big games, uh, and have they waited this long to just say unleash the beast? And it looked like Vernon Davis was unleashed again, five for 106 and a touchdown. This is the Vernon Davis we expected to see in the playoffs, and, and for, quite frankly, all of this season, and he and he didn't show up. And then it, it, this this game, it looked like, Kaepernick wasn't looking at Crabtree first. Crabtree had some pretty tight defense on him. It looked like Vernon Davis was the man for for San Francisco. Yeah, I did. And, you know, what's crazy about that, Scott, is that it's just when you get settled into a a comfort zone, especially with a young quarterback, then that comfort zone ends up being relaxed. And that's what happened with uh, Kaepernick to Davis. I mean, Davis was finding his spot. Kaepernick knew where he was going to be, and uh, it just it worked out really good for him. And I didn't like it so much because in the in the contest, uh, you know, there was a, a few others that had Davis, which I would have never thought. But you know, it, it just worked out really good. And uh, it's funny how those games work because that that kind of reminds me of uh, New England days when you find that comfort zone, just like Shane Marine uh, two weeks ago. You find that comfort zone, you go with the guy, let him roll. So Crabtree, Crabtree had six receptions, sorry, Mike, 57 yards. Uh, kind of a slow game for Crabtree because of how well he's done over the last few weeks. But Frank Gore really showed up with 21 carries, 90 yards, and two touchdowns. And does. then somebody that I really enjoyed watching in the first half, Dynasty, uh, well, I, I named him LaMichael Dynasty James, man. Five carries, 34 yards, and a touchdown. The kid looks like he, he has the wheels. We knew he had them. And to see him, what he did in the first half, pretty impressive just on those five carries. And Frank Gore can't last forever, but every year he's here, every year he keep, continues to show up. One of these days, Frank Gore, the wheels are going to come off, and then you're going to have somebody like a LaMichael James sitting waiting in the wings. 
Well, I'm very thankful to have him in one of my dynasty leagues. I'm only in three dynasty leagues, but I'm very thankful to uh, have drafted uh, LaMichael James, and uh, I can't wait for him. Uh, you know, I mean, he's going to be, uh, like you said, he's waiting in the wings. Uh, but I don't know if Frank Gore's going to give up. I don't know when he will give up. Mike, uh, the, the the game was uh, a tale of two halves. We talked about that. It, it looked like Atlanta was getting ready to just put the put the uh, game out of reach at 17 down. LaMichael comes back with that touchdown. Vernon Davis gets the touchdown. And then right before the half, Gonzo caught the touchdown. Matt Ryan drove him down the field, and it looked like, okay, Matt Ryan's able to overcome the adversity and drive down the field and make things happen. And he finished with a big day, 30 for 42, 396 and 3. It wasn't his fault. Uh, although the offense couldn't get things going in the second half, he did put up tons of numbers. But San Francisco just really clamped down, and then Atlanta's defense couldn't stop San Fran from scoring. Right, and you know that's going to be that's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens come uh, come next Sunday. What? How can Baltimore combat San Francisco from scoring? How can Baltimore combat? Uh, Colin Kaepernick, let's face it, he is, I mean, I never would have thought that I would say this, but uh, Kaepernick is definitely the the machine behind everything that goes through San Francisco's offense. If they're going to score points, it's got to be because Kaepernick rushes for 20, rushes for 10, throws for 20, throws for 10. Cappy is definitely right there on the cusp of being a just in a few short games, what, seven, eight games? He, he's already a dynasty top ten quarterback. We'll talk about the quarterbacks in a couple of weeks. We're going to go to wide receivers this week, running backs next week, quarterbacks the third week, and then we'll throw the tight ends a bone, and we'll we'll put them on in week four, although uh, tight ends are, uh, well, they're tight ends. But, let's talk about that New England-Baltimore game. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's move to it, Mike. That was a game – where I think all of the public and the, and the betting public were taking the Patriots. It, it looked like it had a, a blowout ready to go and packaged up for Tom Brady at home. And and then, you know, this, this whole Ray Lewis hype machine has really propelled the Ravens quite a bit, I think. I, you know, players get motivated out of the strangest reasons. They get motivated. They get behind a cause. People want to get behind a cause. They don't care what you do. They care why you do it. And that's what they're into. They're doing everything for this guy. They bleed to death for this guy. They catch a bullet for Ray Lewis. And and that's what Flacco Flacco has done a masterful job in this playoff so far. Well, not only this this year, but year after year after year. I mean, you take a look at Flacco's uh, playoff wins, loss. <laughs> it's impeccable. It's unbelievable. Uh, Ray, uh, not Ray Ray Lewis, but Ray Rice. Ray Rice, he just steps up to the plate. Tory Smith, Anquan Bowden. I mean, you've got guys over and over and over again that continue to produce for this guy and this team. And you you add the Ray Lewis factor. I don't know. I, I mean, Scott, honestly, this team, this defense has been scrutinized over and over and over again throughout the year. And now come the playoffs, they shut down the luck. They shut down Manning. They shut down Brady. What's next? Well, what's next on the tap is uh, Kaepernick. Two weeks, uh, well, a week and a half from now, uh, we will see the Super Bowl. Again, we'll be back in Las Vegas at the Mirage. Mike, I can't tell you how much of a fun experience this is being here, uh, part of FFWC, and being able to enjoy. We're going to pick Matt Bailey up. Matt Bailey's our world champion of fantasy oh. football. We're going to pick him up from the airport in, in the limo with his favorite drinks on, on tap ready to go. He said uh, he likes bourbon. He likes Cabernet. And, you know, he'd like to have a couple of waters. That's what we got for him, waiting in the cooler. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be me. It'll be myself. It'll be Ian, Richie. It'll be Emil Cadillac. It'll be Cindy Crane. We'll be waiting for him uh, in the limo, picking him up there with him and his brother, taking him to the Mirage. We've got a big check presentation planned with a jersey the championship jersey. We will also be releasing FFWC jerseys for the year. You'll be able to get those on the website. But there's only going to be one championship jersey, and, and every year that's going to be awarded to the world champion, the fantasy football world champion. This that's year it's cool. Matt Bailey uh, from Natick. Uh, is he, how do you say it? Natick, uh, Bo- or Massachusetts. And so uh, we're, we're happy to really have a good time with him uh, this weekend and cap it off with a Super Bowl 
Super Bowl Sunday, that's, and then take the red eye back, and we'll be back to normal. But Mike, let's talk that's about really cool. Scott, Scott. That's really cool, man. Uh, Matt's gonna he's gonna have a great time, and you said his brother is gonna be with him. Yeah, he's traveling with his brother. Uh, that, and, man, that's awesome. And just to enjoy the Super Bowl weekend, and uh, just you know, just enjoy the hype and uh, the fact that he's. He's a champ, man. He's a champ. Got to knock him off next year. Yeah, Matt Bailey is the fantasy football world champion. $200,000 in his pocket. But, hey, he doesn't hold a candle in Dynasty to this guy that we're bringing on, Shane P. Hallam, uh, the man, the myth, the legend from... Uh, yeah. I love Fred. I was about to stroke him. I'm not trying to type and he's using your gas in my ear. Who do we got here on the 412? Oh, we lost him. We lost him. We had him there for a second, uh, Mike. So let's go back to this Baltimore game. I saw somebody in the on the in the uh, in the chat room there. We uh, the Baltimore game. I'll tell you, it was just a, again just a total domination by the Ravens. The, the Patriots couldn't get anything going. Even the touchdown drive, you know, and the touchdown pass to Welker. I mean, look, this this team has some major problems when it comes down to some of these games that uh, you know you thought the defense was ready. This year, the Patriots have kind of improved that. You thought the running game was ready. And then Ridley with the big hit and the big fumble. Was that a fumble? Uh, let's call it a fumble. Okay. Because we could go back to the Atlanta game and ask about the Harry Douglas catch. Was that a catch? <laughs> no, it, it it was probably not a fumble. But I, I honestly don't think that would have mattered, Scott. I really don't. Uh Baltimore was. They had their ears pinned back. They, they were ready. They were ready for this game, and uh, they've been ready for. Once they beat Indianapolis, I really felt good about things because they, they just they have a different aura about them, and you can't replace that. Once the big mo, the big momentum starts going, you can't replace that. You can't do anything about it. It's, it's just coming after you, and. Uh, Baltimore, they seem to get behind a little bit, but it never phases them. And that's what I love about that team. Well, again, uh, I, w- I want to hear that. Uh, the catch in Atlanta. Was that a catch, man? Harry Douglas? Uh, you know, I would I think that if the Falcons would have won that game after that was ruled a catch, I think we would still be hearing about it today, about the replacement refs, bring them back, because I don't see how you can rule that a catch. We watched that replay at least a dozen times. And I think the consensus from everybody in the sports book, Atlanta and Niner fans alike, that wasn't a catch. But it's going to be a great Super Bowl here in about a week from Sunday. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's bring. I, let's, I'm let, just let, kidding. Hey, right, Scott, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it wasn't we, a catch. We're we're going to bring Shane back <laughs> in. It looks like we had some audio problems with Shane earlier. Shane, can you hear me? Hi, I can't hear you. I apologize. That was on my that was my fault. I apologize on my end. I just actually bought a new headset uh today. And it's my first time using it. I thought the button was to mute myself instead it just ended the call. So so I'm here, I'm good to go and I, I thanks for having me on guys. I, I love listening to the show. I try to listen as much as humanly possible and I'm happy to be here. Well hey Shane, it's great to have you and uh don't worry about technology because I I've sucked at technology because I'm still using the same seven-year-old razor that I've had for about seven years. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I, I think I think I'm good to go, and hopefully I got this technology down. But you know how it is. Actually, I'm I'm down in Mobile, Alabama this week for the Senior Bowl, uh, covering it live. So that's what I've been. That's oh. where my focus has been. And we've uh, you know we've we've had some some problems of our own in our hotel with the internet and things, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy to be down covering the senior bowl this year. We we've been enjoying uh, the Twitter action that you provided Shane all week long. It's been a joy. I know I was sitting in the airport and uh, I just started, uh, I got on the phone after I got sat down, I had a little bit of time to kill and I saw you on Twitter and I said, man, you know what? Let me catch up, went to your feed and just followed everything that you've been, that you've been posting. And it was just, it was just fun to have uh, that type of uh, coverage there for that, uh, what you guys are doing down there. So uh, we appreciate it, and uh, let's talk some dynasty wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I, I think it's an interesting group, and wide receiver is my favorite position. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about them because I, I think I really do think we're starting to see a change in dynasty fantasy football where wide receivers king. 
I agree with you 100%. Uh, in the 1250 dynasty, I did let go of Marshawn Lynch to your partner in crime. I don't know if you guys covered that trade. Your partner in crime, Michael Bronte, I gave him Marshawn Lynch, and uh, he gave me uh, – well, Marshawn Lynch in a, in a late draft pick, I think. He gave me Demarius Thomas and Ryan Broyles. I'm also a Calvin Johnson owner, so I thought that kind of made sense. But I was already wide receiver heavy. I had Calvin and Marshall and Vjax, but to get Demarius Thomas, uh, no matter what my running backs look like, I really don't care – uh, I mean, I've got DeMarco and a couple of LaShore and Ryan Williams and a couple of young guys like Vereen and things, you know, but I really wanted to get my hands on Demarius Thomas. I think the value for Demarius over Lynch is just too hard to pass up. No matter what it does to team construction, I like to get that value, and then I can use it as a – use my bargaining chips later. What do you think of that trade? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really close. We did cover that, and that was a tough one for me because I like both players a lot, but Demarius Thomas is uh, is one of my top five Dynasty wide receivers right now. I, I think I have them ranking in actually at four. I, after after AJ Green, after Julio Jones, after Calvin, I don't know if there's a better talent at wide receiver than Demarius Thomas. And he's going to get Peyton Manning for a few years and uh, and and beyond. I think he's just so transcendent that he's going to do it. So I, I kind of like your end because I think Lynch is going to run down sooner rather than later. Okay, so you have Calvin, AJ, Julio, and Demarius in your top four. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, and so where is Des Bryant? Because, he look, 92 catches, 1,380 yards, 12 TDs. We finally saw the season that we've been looking for for Des, especially in the second half of the season. Very strong, number three overall as a, as a dynasty or as a, as a fantasy player last year. Still young. The only issue that I see is just the, the head case alert. Right, I think that's the big the big problem, and I think there's two sides to Des Bryant. One is that he is supremely talented, which he is, and we saw it at the end of the season of what he can do in a passing offense with Tony Romo on the ball. Uh, we saw what he can do now with Miles Austin taking a huge back back step back, and, and I I like Miles Austin going into the year. I, I kind of downplayed Des Bryant. I, I have Des Bryant sixth right now on my list, and and it isn't because of talent, because you could argue. You could argue top three. I mean, you could argue him over Julio Jones, I believe. You could probably make an argument over A.J. Green. But uh, I think Des Bryant, is, there's a couple things, and it's, it's that off-the-field head case issue. You know, I, I don't know if I can trust him, for one. Two, I don't know if I can trust the consistency that we saw. We've basically seen that for about half a season now, and I trust A.J. Green. I trust Julio Jones. I trust Demarius Thomas from what he did last year and then going into this year, continued that trend more than I trust Des Bryant. I want to see just a, a, a little more consistency from him. I want to see him put one more year together before he fits in that top five. And, you know, the, the, I, I think he's a – when he came out of the draft, I think he's one of the most talented wide receivers that we've seen in a while. And he fell because of some of those off-the-field concerns. But building a dynasty, you have to take it into account. You have to take into account what's going to happen off the field. I mean, you, you're going to tell me you're going to take Kenny Britt based on talent alone, but you're going to – Ignore injuries. You're going to ignore uh, off-the-field issues. You can't do that, and I don't think you can do it for Des Bryant either. Shane P. Hallam, fantasy football NFL draft analyst for DraftCountdown.com, is our guest tonight, and we're talking about dynasty wide receivers. I think the consensus is that one and two in some combination is Calvin and AJ. I don't see how anybody could not have Calvin number one. I mean, if it weren't for the touchdowns being an abnormally low year for him, he would have been just off the charts as the number one wide receiver. It was a low year, five touchdowns. I don't think we'll see that again, although I know we know touchdowns fluctuate a little bit. A.J. Green, consensus, top two wide receiver. Julio and Dez, in some order, are, are up there as well. Demarius Thomas, the only question I have is, what does Demarius look like, Demarius and Decker specifically, maybe more Decker, after Peyton Manning is gone? I mean, I think most of us thought that Peyton maybe had, if at best, Three good years left in him. Uh, I don't know if that – has that changed at all or in your opinions of Demarius and Decker in that situation? No, I, it hasn't changed at all for me. And it's easy to it's easy to overcomplicate things because the Denver Broncos lost and because Tate Manning lost. It's easy to say, well, on the road he has a weaker arm. And, and does he probably – he probably does have a weaker arm than he did before. He, he still won 11 games in a row. <laughs> I mean, he's still spinning up huge passing numbers, and Demarius Thomas is still catching a ton of passes. I don't think Peyton Manning is going to completely regret for the next two years um, unless he has a major injury. So if, I, if I'm betting on Peyton Manning to stay healthy, which he's only been injured once, 
in his career that, that we know of it's causing him to miss games and it was a long length of time, then, then I'm going to bet on that. You know, for me, in Dynasty, I, I, I'm i more of a future guy because I'm so into the rookies and into rookie picks and into the NFL draft. But you, I really, for me, I'm planning for th- the next three years and the next three years after that and the next three years after that. And for me, Demarius Thomas is a top five receiver for the next three years, and, and I'll worry about what happens later. Let's talk about that next tier, Shane, and then uh, I'll turn it over to Mike for the next question. The next tier of wide receivers, in some order, I think most of us have the Brandon Marshalls, the Percy Harvins, and the Randall Cobbs. Those three guys seem to be the the real dynasty uh, fascinations with those guys, uh, and especially with what Brandon Marshall did this year, 92, 13, 82, and 12. Big, big year for Brandon Marshall. Randall Cobb, we saw a monster season out of him, only on 104 targets. So it's really interesting to find out what he's going to do. And then Percy Harvin, who is the injury risk, but more when he gets out on the field, we know what he can do. So talk about those three players and where they slot in your rankings. Yeah, Percy Harvin comes in at fifth for me, and that's who I have in number five. And I think he's a riskier choice, perhaps, than Brandon Marshall or Randall Cobb with the injuries, with the issues that he's had with the coaching staff and Leslie Frazier. Well, if you've ever listened to our show on Tuesday nights, you know I am not a Leslie Frazier fan, and neither is Michael. We both think he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL, and I understand why Percy Harvin uh, has has, was, has been so upset with him and upset with the way that the, the direction that the Vikings are going, even despite their success this year. Uh, I mean, they, they kind of lucked in Adrian Peterson having the best running back season ever in, the, in, in history, and they still barely squeaked into the playoffs. Uh, I think Percy Harvin in Minnesota, I, I'm not uh, completely down on Christian Potter. I still think there's some development that can be had. I still think he can be effective, and, I, and we saw it when Percy Harvin was healthy. The big thing for me with him is health, and uh, that's it. And if, they, if he stays healthy, I think he is huge. Next I, next I have Dez, and then Brandon Marshall comes after that um, at seven. I think Brandon Marshall, it, you see the talent. Uh, you see the talent, and you see what he can do now with, with back with Jay Cutler. So I don't think that's changing. The offense is going to run through him. If he, if Alshon Jeffrey develops and they find a number two receiver, I think it only helps Brandon Marshall not have to get thrown to all that time, not have to get uh, the defense uh, the defense to, to pursue him. So he's coming in at seven, and I have Randall Cobb right now as, as my ninth wide receiver. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. I think he's the one little wild card, and I have him in, in a lot of leagues. I traded for him before the season. I actually traded in, in the 500 dynasty. I traded Michael uh, Denarius Moore straight up for Randall Cobb, and I got Cobb, and I'm happy I did. Um, oh. and, and with Greg Jennings moving on, you know, Cobb's going to have a big opportunity, but he's, he's another one. I, he still hasn't proven it completely. I think he's a great talent, but uh, is he someone going to do this consistently? I think he is. I think the way that they use him in that offense, as long as Rodgers is there, and as long as McCarthy's there, I think Randall Cobb is going to be a top ten fantasy receiver for the next five years. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Shane. Uh, I, I believe that uh, Randall Cobb's going to be very solid. I'm going to go uh, kind of on the low end uh, with the question here. I've got three wide receivers that uh, I basically have on <laughs> scattered with three different dynasty teams, and I don't know what's going to happen with them. I don't know what to do with them. Uh, I'm looking at a two-year window. Uh, We're talking about Brandon Stokely, Steve Smith, and Brandon Lloyd. Oh, that's that's quite a list. Um, I I think – I'll start. I'll start with the last one, I guess. You know, I'll start uh, with Brandon Lloyd, and I, I still think we saw what Brandon Lloyd can do uh, when when he's getting the ball, when he's getting the ball consistently thrown at him. And I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots move on even after this one year from him and go elsewhere. So you know, Brandon Lloyd's a player. I think next year is going to hold some bench value, no matter where he ends up. If it is with New England, even if they bring in someone or bring Welker back. Um, then I, I think Lloyd will have those games. He can be a nice plug-and-play and hope that things work out. And I, I think probably two years down the line, you're going to be looking at his career almost done just with the way that he plays. Steve Smith, I think he's going to keep going. I mean, I think the way Steve Smith's built and the way that he plays this game, um, I know a lot of people feel like, oh, Steve Smith, he's a burner. He's, he's, he's speed. I, I don't think that's true. I think Deshaun Jackson is speed. I think Steve Smith 
uses that small stature and uses his quickness to, to elude people and uses he is very tough at the line of scrimmage and he's tough to press despite his size. So I think he keeps going. Is he ever going to put up the numbers that he put two years ago? No, I don't think that's ever going to happen, and I don't think he's a, uh, an everyday starter thing type of thing. But I think coming off the bench as a wide receiver four, that you can do a heck of a lot worse than Steve Smith. Brandon Stokely, uh, I, I, I just don't see value of having him on a fantasy team. I don't think you know when those weeks are going to come, when Peyton Manning is going to target him. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me as well if Denver starts looking for a third wide receiver and if Stokely gets bumped down, I think he very easily could just be way off the fantasy radar. Yeah, he's a guy that I, I think you do you can own, especially in a redraft format if you do take a Demarius early or a Decker early as just kind of an insurance. It's, it's a nice strategy uh, pick, but for, for dynasty value, I don't see it as well. Shane P. Hallam is our guest from uh, draftcountdown.com, NFL and draft analyst, fantasy football and NFL draft analyst. We, we, we're going to pick your brain a little bit about the draft, a couple of guys I'm interested in, but we're going to talk dynasty wide receivers first. The story of Hakeem Nix continued in 2012, and it wasn't what we expected, even though we knew there was an injury coming in. 53-692-3 on a, only 100 targets, missed four games. So not not the type of season we were expecting from Hakeem Nix. Finished 53rd, it's just not right. But the injury was at play there. So we've got Hakeem Nix, a couple of uh, a couple of guys like Dwayne Bowe and Larry Fitzgerald also I want to talk about. Dwayne Bowe, it's kind of interesting to me. With Andy Reid, will he stick around now? And then Larry Fitzgerald, so much we could talk about with him. 156 targets, but he finished 33rd overall. Yeah, this is a group of three that I think can make or break your dynasty team and how you how you deal with them. And I think you have to make some good decisions. I think Hakeem Nix is a prime example of that, of a player that if you have him, I think, you have to hold on to him. Uh, I think he's supremely talented. He's still very young, but it's been it's been the injuries that have derailed him, and it's been this offense for the Giants that has that sputtered at times. But I see Akeem Nixon's upside. I think you know in a, in a startup draft, he's well worth an early third round pick, um, and and I have him kind of kind of coming in there, and then that tenth spot is a tenth. 11th receiver off the board, I think you're, you could do much worse than Hakeem Nix. Is he going to give you uh, your, your your 15 games every single year? Maybe not. You know, maybe he's not going to do that. But when he is in there, he's someone that you have to play, and he's going to give you the big games. He's going to give you small games. So, for me, I'm all about risk. I know a lot of people like those consistent players that are going to get you even points every week. I'm fine with, with someone exploding. As long as I have a team where someone's going to explode every week, um, it can work out for me. And I think you have to take those risks, risks to go in the playoffs. And I think Nick's sits right in there. And Larry Fitzgerald is extremely difficult to peg. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to sell on him, and it's not that the talent. You know, it's not that he's not talented. We know Larry Fitzgerald still is talented, but he is starting to get up there in age. He is in a situation that's not going to improve uh, drastically. If the My, Arizona Car- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Shane. No, I was going to say if the Arizona Cardinals are going to improve their offensive line, um, you know, then the quarterback's going to suffer because they're not going to get an early round quarterback. They grab the quarterback, the offensive line will still be bad, and they're going to have to really hit a slam dunk. And Dwayne Bowe, a lot depends where he ends up. I don't think he goes back to Kansas City. I think they're going to do a pretty nice cleaning there in Kansas City of some of these free agents. And if that's the case, then I, I, I think Dwayne Bowe, it could be good. I think Dwayne Bowe is someone to explore trading for. It's a risky situation if he ends up somewhere with a bad quarterback, but I don't think it can get much worse than it got in, in Kansas City last year. And I think Dwayne Bowe is, might be a top-10 talent. So I, I have him coming in right outside that top-10 myself, and he's someone I've explored some trade possibilities with. I think Dwayne Bowe will end up staying in Kansas City with the overhaul because, again, you know, you're looking at your way out and your exit strategy until you change up your uh, your coaching staff and you're in your front office. So I think it makes a lot of sense for Dwayne Bowe to stick it out, stick it out, uh, stick around and, and see what he has now with this uh, with this new regime coming in and, and hopefully what will be a new quarterback situation that can get him the ball. Uh, the Fitzgerald situation, I'm not so sure, Mike, that I know what to do here. In 2011, you know, he had Cobb and Skelton, and he still managed 80 catches and 1,400 yards and eight touchdowns, targeted 151 times, tied for third most. And I look this year, he's got basically the same cast, if not, you know, better wide receivers around him, and he does nothing with it. I mean, 71 catches, 
less than 800 yards and just couldn't get anything going, even though he was targeted very heavy. I, I know it's not Fitzgerald's fault. I know it's the entire Arizona team that has him and maybe hit just, just totally in, in uh, disarray here. Quarterbacks are scared to death to lose their job. But how does it get any better if you're a Larry Fitzgerald owner? Well, you know, moving forward to next year, it sounds kind of crazy, but uh, which wide receiver would you rather have, Danny Amendola or Larry Fitzgerald? Shane? <laughs> oh, I, absolutely, Larry Fitzgerald. I, I, would, I would much rather have Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, as, as Scott said, he still can, can get it done without that quarterback, and it's not that he's going to put up a ton of numbers, and last year it didn't happen. But I'd rather have a healthy Larry Fitzgerald that I know I can plug in in a good situation that maybe, hey, uh, perhaps the quarterback change happens. Perhaps they actually spend some money in free agency with, with, uh, with the new general manager. I don't know. All I know with Danny, Danny, Danny Amendola is, A, he might not be on the Rams next year. If he's not, someone's going to overpay him. And just the injuries have piled up with him. Uh, and he's not someone that I trust that always have a full volume. I, I don't think – this is a consistent uh, player in Danny Amendola that you can you can say, oh, new situation. Unless he ends up in New England or he ends up in somewhere that's unbelievable, um, I would much rather have player fit still. Well, we want to go to what, the, what, go ahead, kind of, what kind of quarterback change are we talking about in uh, in Arizona? I mean, who's the magical quarterback that, that it's going to be? I mean, I mean, they're going to have to hit a home run on a rookie. I think that's the best-case scenario for you with that or Kevin Cobb develops. I mean, I, I felt like when Kevin Cobb was in there last year, he was actually getting things done. I know it, I know it's uh, blasphemy, I guess, with how much fantasy, uh, fantasy footballers have hated Kevin Cobb because we all thought he was going to be a monster two years ago. But I, I, I really do I, – I think when he was in there – you were starting to see some changes. So if they have Kevin Cobb develop and get an offensive line, or maybe they hit a slam dunk in the NFL draft, then Larry Fitzgerald's value automatically becomes top five because he is that talented. It, it, it's 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 risky to do. I don't really want either of them at this point. I would rather just unload them and, and try to find the, the next diamond in the rough instead of these two. In the chat room up, IPS driver. I'm looking at lower guys like Randall, Shorts, Curly, and LaFell. The name that rings out to me that I wanted to talk about tonight is Cecil Shorts. What a what a great season that we saw from this kid in Jacksonville where we didn't expect it. We, we, we thought we might see it from Justin Blackman. We did start to see that late in the year from him. But with Cecil Shorts, eighth most yards per route ran. I saw that stat today. Sixth most drops in the league. And he was medically cleared after his second concussion. He finishes up with 55, 9, 79, and 7. But I'm seeing low rankings on him, especially from the guys at Pro Football Focus. They have him ranked 44th overall in their dynasty rankings that they have published. So talk about Cecil Shorts and the Justin Blackman combination. What do you see from both of those guys? Ooh, I, I'm I'm not quite as low as Cecil Shorts. He's not he's not in the 40s for me, but uh, he's definitely outside that top yeah. 25. And I, I wouldn't take him, you know, let's just use the startup draft as an example, I wouldn't take him until the seventh or eighth round. And the, the big issue is the concussion and what's happening with that. And now he's had two concussions uh, pretty close together. I think he's a very talented player, but that's an injury bug, and he's not exactly in a situation where you're willing to take that risk. Uh, Jack, maybe Jacksonville brings in a quarterback. Maybe, maybe they bring a free agent or something and it improves. Because it is an attractive place when you have Justin Blackman, you have Cecil Shorts. But I would much, 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 much rather have Justin Blackman right now on my dynasty team than Cecil Shorts. I think we started to see Justin Blackman late in the year finally turn it on, finally get it. We saw what was what was happening with him. Uh, we saw what was happening with him after the catch and how he was breaking tackles and how he was running his routes and anticipating things. Uh, you know, I think that's huge. So, you know, I think Justin Blackman's squarely in the top 25. I think you could even argue he's in the top 20 of receivers right now. And I, I've seen some places that I'm even higher than that. So I think Cecil Shorts is just a player to stay away from. Someone's going to be high on him. I, you know, I have him in a couple leagues, and I'm, I'm, I'm debating. You know, I'm pulling out some offers, trying to, trying to dish him uh, where it could bite me in the butt. I mean, he could be great. He could be – he could be the best receiver to come out of Mount Union, and we've we've had a couple recent ones that have been pretty pretty darn good at PMPR and our stones. So I, I, you know, I think Cecil Shorts could be really good. The problem is I don't know if that head holds up. We saw with Java Best how a player very talented puts up fantasy numbers, people get excited, but has those concussion issues. Shorts not quite as bad, but uh, he's someone that you don't want to put in this lottery ticket for, and you could come up with a big zero in the end. 
I prefer a guy like Justin Blackman over these guys like Kenny Britt and Torrey Smith. Uh, guys, I, I I could put Justin Blackman in my top 15, although I haven't finalized the rankings. He's somewhere around that spot for me because I just don't pay for guys that are around the 30-year-old mark, the Wes Welkers, the Roddy Whites. I just don't pay for them in Dynasty when I'm in a draft, and I would rather take the guy that's 23 years old and Justin Blackman. I do go to the Twitter discussion just for a second, at Chet underscore G. He tells us that Justin Blackman averaged 80 yards per game for the last eight games, 10th for wide receivers. That's a pretty impressive stat. And then Jaguar Fan for Life asks us, could you tell me how Justin Blackman graded out those eight games compared to his last eight? And Pro Football Focus responds, the first half he was minus 6.5, the second half plus 2.8. Very high marks for Justin Blackman in the second half of the season. And I think he's a, uh, although if you have him as a dynasty owner, you're not going to sell him. You saw enough from him. So if you don't have him, there's really no way to get him unless you're willing to give up a guy that has a big name, right, Shane? I mean, you have to give up somebody like a Mike Wallace or like a Torrey Smith. I don't even think Torrey Smith would get it done. I mean, maybe a... You know, maybe a Jeremy Macklin you might be able to give up for him uh, or something if you really have to have him. And I'm not so con- I'm not so convinced that he will perform outperform him. But you're going to have to give up a big name to get Justin Blackman. Absolutely, I, and I'm with you kind of in the first half. I think you have to you're going to have to give up a Mike Wallace. You're going to have to give up a Vincent Jackson. You're going to have to give up a Dwayne Bow. I think those are the players that Justin Blackman is going to end up around. Um, and maybe if someone is high on Torrey Smith, maybe, maybe you're able to get it done. But yeah, I don't think a Marcus Colston. I don't think a Jeremy Macklin is going to get it done because Justin Blackman has a lot of upside and a lot of youth that you're going to carry over. Um, you know, maybe if you have one of these other second year wide receivers that have had a good year. You could you can really barter with a Josh Gordon and a T.Y. Hilton, and maybe see what you, if you have to add something, or you know maybe maybe you can even see if the that Justin Blackman owner is buying into the Josh Gordon hype. So I think there's a lot of ways to work it if you want him, but if you have him, I, I can't imagine giving him up unless you're wild with an offer. Shane P. Hallam is our guest from DraftCountdown.com. Mike, I'm going to give you the next question. Michael Crabtree. 25 years old. Uh, he's now ranked 17th over at Pro Football Focus's Dynasty Rankings. I think I have him a little bit higher than that. He finished 15th this year with 85, 11.05, and 9, 127 targets. Very impressive. Now they're saying that the, those charges that they were uh, accused of, assaulting a woman in a hotel room, sounds like that that stuff is over. And witnesses told police that Crabtree didn't assault anyone. So maybe that this is going to be behind him. I hope he gets good counsel and can move on. But if you are looking to get Michael Crabtree, and I am in a couple, I have him in several leagues, but I'd like to get him in a couple more. What are you going to have to do to get a Michael Crabtree? You're going to have to give up one heck of a player as well. I'd do it. I, I think Michael Crabtree is one of the most criminally underrated fantasy wide receivers out there. I have him ranked 12th, and I think it's too low for myself. I think he's going to be downright dominant with Colin Kaepernick going forward, and especially with, with this off-the-field stuff, because as I talked about with Des Bryant, I want to be transparent with that because, uh, you know, Michael Crabtree, you can start making the same argument. But I, I'm really it's going to investigate this and really see if, if this was a bunch of nothing. And if so, I, I, I don't want to be callous, but I'm, I'm kind of glad that it happened because it helps me because I want Michael Crabtree. I think there are people that are gonna that uh, maybe are more a little more casual that hear about this situation, don't hear about the resolution or what actually happened, and think maybe he is a head case, maybe he is a little bit off, and, and maybe he is. But if this isn't true, I think Michael Crabtree is going to catch, uh, I mean, eight to ten balls a game with Colin Kaepernick uh, for most of his most of his games at the very least. Uh, you see just the the combination that they have, and maybe in this last playoff game it didn't happen because. Atlanta just can't cover the tight ends to save their life. But when when Michael Crabtree is needed, he's came, he's come up so big, he's developed so much. He's a player that needed that development. Um, I think he's going to catch a ton of balls. I think he's going to get a, a lot of touchdowns. I mean, I think Michael Crabtree going forward is one of the most underrated fantasy receivers. It would not surprise me if he's a top five fantasy receiver next year, just in terms in PPR, just in terms of pure catches and scoring touchdowns, because the 49ers are going to get those opportunities. Mike, get this guy a Crabtree jersey, will you? Uh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Shane. I'm gonna go low end again. Uh, I'm not going toward the uh, high profile wide receivers, but I, I've got a question about two wide receivers that just kind of they really they really got the hour of me, and I, I just need to ask Titus Young and Andre Roberts. Uh, Titus Young. 
fell out of favor uh, in Detroit, and Andre Roberts seemed like he he came on pretty strong last year. But uh, I watch these guys, and I see so much potential. And you know, I, they might not be fantasy relevant in the first couple weeks of uh, 2013, but can they be fantasy relevant uh, moving forward uh, toward the last part of the year? Oh, yeah, these are two two guys that are tough to take. Titus Young, I mean, if, if you have him, you might have to trade him for a bag of chips at this point. I did, I did a mock dynasty startup. He went in the 17th round uh, of this draft. I mean, people are so low on Titus Young right now. Uh, if you have him, you got to hold on to him. And I, I think Titus Young is talented, but I think he's incredibly stupid, incredibly immature, incredibly naive. Uh, being down here at the Senior Bowl, actually, my first year here, he was down here. I, he was my first interview for a player ever. I'll tell you, he's the cockiest uh, SOB that I've ever talked to in my life. And it was it was hilarious. It was the best interview I've had down here ever. But uh, I don't think that necessarily bodes well to being a great teammate. So um, it was fun for me, but not for him. He was making fun of uh, Kellen Moore in kind of a joking way. His quarterback at Boise State, you know, it, it, it's a lot of kind of what, what, what we're seeing now, but now looks a little more malicious. So I think Titus Young is a player, if you have it and can keep him on the roster, see what happens, but you might end up cutting him. And I think Andre Roberts is the other way. I think he's very underrated. Uh, I mean, he, he produced almost as well as Larry Fitzgerald this past year in the same situation. Uh, and this, this startup draft, he won the 16th round uh, that we did it for DLF. I couldn't believe that either. I mean, I think Andre Roberts, I loved him coming out of the Citadel. He came out of a small school, so he needed some time to develop, and I feel like last year he really turned it on. And we saw, you know, we, we, we see Michael Floyd emerge, who, who I like a lot. I mean, I think Floyd is going to be a great wide receiver as well, but I think Roberts is still going to catch a ton of balls these next couple years and, and be someone to contend with. So I think Andre Roberts, if you, have, if you have deeper rosters, is a player that you can give up near nothing for and stash on your team, and he might end up being a nice pop start for you. Cool. Hey, one thing, Shane, that I want to uh, uh, ask you real quick, uh, you know, who do you see a wide receiver uh, this year? I know it's going to be a weak draft. I know you're you're there at the Senior Bowl, and that's got, that's got to be a lot of fun. Talk about your experience uh, being at the Senior Bowl and uh, scoping at the wide receivers. Who do you see? Uh, who do you see these kids that are going to break out? that might be really, uh, really strong. Yeah, this wide receiver group is intriguing. And being down here at the Senior Bowl, you know, we get to go up close and personal in the practices, see a lot of these seniors go one-on-one with uh, players. And, and I actually did a podcast last night for uh, DFW where we I really outlined everything and everyone down here. So if you're interested, you know, tweet me. I can get you the link or check it out. Um, and you can hear about everyone down here. But, you know, this class doesn't have that elite talent per se. You know, it doesn't have that A.J. Green or Julio Jones, but I think there's there's three players in this draft that have tremendous upside. Um, one is Cordero Patterson from Tennessee, who's pretty raw. He was a Juco player, went to Tennessee, and absolute, was an absolute monster. 6'3", 205 pounds, could run in the 4'4s. You know, he might end up being a mid-round pick if he works out really well, mid-first-round pick, excuse me, if he works out really well. Um, and he kind of has that big upside. And then the other two guys who I like a lot may not have quite as much upside, DeAndre Hopkins out of Clemson and Keenan Allen out of Cal. I think all three of these players are first-round picks. And I think all three of these players are polished enough, in terms, at least in terms of Allen and Hopkins, I think is polished enough to step in day one and, and make something happen. And great hands, great at catching the ball, long arms, know how to catch the ball, high point the ball, and know how to be physical with line of scrimmage. So I really like DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. If you're looking for, like, immediate impact players that maybe can come in in a redraft league or if you're looking in your rookie drafts, I think Allen, Hopkins, and Patterson are going to be the tops. And I, I honestly think there's about 12 to 15 wide receivers probably in that, that 12 range of wide receivers that can make a fairly early impact in the NFL. I just don't know if there are, there's a lot of elite guys. You know, down here we have a guy like Terrence Williams from Baylor, 6'2", 205, runs at the 4'4". He, he's great at running the nine route. Reminds me a bit of Torrey Smith when Torrey Smith came out. Where that's all he could do. He, he had a slow start in the NFL, had that huge game, right, where he broke out as a rookie and, and, and kind of started developing from there. I think Terrence Williams can be that down here. He can't be the jam. He can't do a comeback very well. But on the nine route, he passes every single corner and scores a touchdown. 
um, that can help you in your fantasy leagues. And another kind of two sleeper guys to watch for it as well. Derek Rogers, the ex-Tennessee wide receiver at Tennessee Tech right now. He's someone going the second and third round and has a lot of upside and could come at a value. Uh, Stedman Bailey from West Virginia is more the possession slot receiver, 5'10", 195 pounds. Um, can, can, has a nice catch radius. It's got a ton of passes for them. You know, I like uh, one of the players down here, Marcus Wheaton out of Oregon State. I think there's a ton of players that are going to be fantasy relevant going forward from this draft. And I, I think as much as I, I've harped on this elite draft, if you're having a rookie draft, if you're picking at the top of the first round, it's not really good. But if you're picking in rounds two, three, four, I think you're going to be able to get some players that are going to contribute. Um, and so th- this is the year where whoever does their homework, whoever really does their homework well on these rookies, I think it's going to come away with the riches in Dynasty. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's why we have you here. You know, it's interesting that uh, Terrence Williams, such a big year for Baylor with almost 2,000 yards and 12 touchdowns, almost 100 catches. I was really impressed with him. It seemed like Robert Woods was always the guy that was brought up last year heading into this year, and his, his stock has kind of fallen a little bit, so it'll be interesting to see where these guys stock up. Hey, we have a question in the chat room. Uh, and, and do do tweet that link out and put that in the chat room for everybody tonight, if you will, to that podcast. We want to listen. We want to go back and listen to that podcast this weekend. Ruben Randall is a name that keeps coming up, and we, so let's talk about him. We've got the the three headed monster now. It looks like with Cruz, Nix, and Randall. If you don't have Randall, what should you do? And if you do have Randall, what should you do? Yeah, and that startup I mentioned, he went in about the 10th round. I'm not as big of a Ruben Randall fan as a player. I, I just think there's there's a lot that still needs to be had, but there's some flashes that he showed last year that really shows what he can do. And the fact that uh, Coughlin is willing to use him as a rookie, I think says a lot about what they feel about his potential. I, I, I think if you don't have him, I don't think you want to go out and get him. I, I think the perception of Ruben Randall still is a little bit higher than what his value is going to be in the next couple of years. That being said, if if you have him, um, I wouldn't give him up for a song or anything like that. I, I think this is an offense that can work with these three receivers. My big problem is you have Eli Manning, you have Victor Cruz, you have, you have the Keen Knicks, you have David Wilson coming up. All my brats are still going to be there. I still think you're looking at a year or two until Ruben Randall is really fantasy relevant. He's going to be one of those players that maybe comes up with a big game here, drops off for two three games, has a big game again, and you just don't know when to play him. And I, I really don't like those players um, unless I, I unless I know, I think I kind of mentioned earlier, I like guys that blow up and maybe have average days, I think Randall's going to be a guy that blows up and has zero days um, going forward. And so I think for your dynasty team, if you're going to rely on that, he's a player you still have to cultivate, and that that takes a lot of commitment. Yeah, you're afraid if you do want Ruben Randall, you do have to go get him because, you know, it's a gamble. If you wait till next season or you wait till the preseason and he has some big games, the price goes up next year. Whereas if you can get him before cutdowns or any of the, that in those leagues where, it's, where you're kind of struggling to hang on to him anyway, you may be able to afford him uh, for a little bit of a cheaper price. What would I pay for him? I definitely wouldn't be giving up anybody like a Kendall Wright or an Antonio Brown, anything uh, remotely close mm-hmm. to that, you know, a Josh Gordon or an Alshon Jeffrey. I have to keep going down the list uh, more towards the area of, Oh, geez, you know, I would give up a Brandon Lloyd because I really just I, I'm not you know I'm not buying a 32 year old wide receiver. Those are the types of players that I'd try to I'd give up Brandon Lloyd and maybe ask for Randall and a pick back or something like that. That's that's how you kind of pull off a deal, IPS driver for uh, Ruben Randall. Okay, next three up here, we've got seven minutes left with Shane P. Hallam from DraftCountdown.com. Tremendous guest tonight. Denarius Moore, Denario Alexander, and Mike Williams are the topics of discussion here. Mike Williams is vastly underrated in my book. Another nice year for him. 63, 996, and 9 finished 19th overall, where his counterpart Vincent Jackson, still no love, finished 12th overall. So there's no love for the Tampa wide receivers, but they do produce, both in the top 20. Nothing to suggest that they're going to fall out of the top 20, especially with that run game keeping the pressure off. So we want to talk about Mike Williams. We also want to talk about the late hot stretch for Denario Alexander. 50th overall, but he only played eight games and caught seven touchdowns, still the knee issues. What do you think about those and Denarius Moore with the quarterback change in Oakland? 
Well, I, I still like Mike Williams a lot. I'm kind of with you on Mike Williams. I think he's the extraordinarily talented. I think having Vincent Jackson only helped him. Uh, even if Josh Freeman doesn't develop this year in Tampa, makes a quarterback change, which that's the team I wouldn't be surprised if they take an early quarterback in the draft um, to start developing if, if Christian wants to take his guy. I, I still think Mike Williams has got to find a way to get it done. So I, I think he's underrated. I think he's definitely a, a, a in that top 20 to 23 option uh, for wide receiver. And I'm probably, I might be underrating him a bit. The other two guys, not quite as high on. I really like Denarius Moore coming out of the draft, and he's really shown some flashes. But uh, Oakland's just going to take so long to get where they need to go. And it's not the fault of anyone there right now. It's the fault of that Carson Palmer trade. I just don't know. Terrell Fryer's not going to be able to get the ball to Denarius more consistently. And if they draft the quarterback, there's so many other holes that's going to take away from him. Uh, I think I think he's a little bit uh, overrated. I actually took him in that start of draft in like the seventh round. I thought I was getting getting pretty well. You know, I think there's some some big upside there. So you know, I I wouldn't take him over. Um, I wouldn't take him over Danny Amendola right now. You know, I wouldn't take him over a Marcus Colston or Jeremy Macklin. I think he's kind of in the next tier after that. I, I, I right now I consider taking Kendall Wright or Michael Floyd or Alshon Jeffrey over him. And Denardo Alexander, I go the opposite way. I think he's one of the most overrated fantasy players going forward. As a player with multiple knee surgeries, he's never played a full season. We saw him come in midseason and blow up. I don't expect them to be able to hold up for 16 games. I just don't think it's going to happen. New offense there in San Diego. Uh, there's a lot of question marks. I think that wide receiver position, when you watch Nario Alexander, talented, but don't be surprised if they upgrade over him and he's not the number one guy next year or in two years. So I think Nario Alexander, for dynasty purposes, I would be trade, 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 and get, get that value while you can. The last two guys we have time for tonight, Shane, this should be a two-hour show, honestly, with as many players as we'd like to cover Maybe we'll do it again next week. T.Y. Hilton of the Indianapolis Colts who has a great quarterback, and James Jones, who also has great quarterbacks. Let's talk about these guys because of the potency of their offense, we have aging wide receiver in Reggie Wayne with Indianapolis, so we know there's going to be opportunity there for T.Y. Hilton. Fantastic rookie season, 28th overall. And then the question will be, do they bring somebody in to replace Wayne, and what, do, what happens to the role of T.Y. Hilton? And then James Jones finished 17th overall, mostly powered by touchdowns, but, again, with Greg Jennings leaving, James Jones does have tremendous chemistry. Talk about T.Y. Hilton and James Jones. I really like T.Y. Hilton. I, I think he's a, a top 18 fantasy receiver. I think his role is pretty well carved out. I think if they bring in anyone to replace Wayne when Wayne is done, it'll be someone that can be that number one receiver role. I think Hilton, I'm very happy where Hilton is with Andrew Luck, throwing the ball down the field, and Luck is starting to build that rapport. Um, I think Hilton is – I don't know. I've, I've seen him go in the, the start draft. He went top of the fifth round. I thought was a little bit early. I mean, I, I wouldn't take him over Antonio Brown. I wouldn't take him over, um, you know, Mike Wallace. But I think he's right there. I think he's right there with those guys, and he's a little more of an upside play. Um, I, I think I would probably take Blackman over him, but just barely. After that, I, I think T.Y. Hilton. You're looking at the, at some high potential, and then uh, James Jones is a little tough for me to peg. I, I do like him without Greg Jennings, but uh, you know the Packers like to use a lot of receivers, like to keep spreading that ball around. I still, you know, a couple of years ago I said I thought James Jones was the better receiver over Jordy Nelson. I looked incredibly stupid uh, when Jordy Nelson broke out, but Jones is starting to make a little comeback here. I think Jones is a player that kind of fits right outside that top 20, uh, probably even leaning more towards third or 30 range. And I think he's someone that, once again, not going to be very consistent for you, but I think he's going to have those big games. I would take a gamble on James Jones right now. Shane P. Hallam from DraftCountdown.com and all over the Twitterverse, uh, at Shane P. Hallam. You definitely uh, look him up and check out the podcast that he's talking about. He's down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and he was – nice enough to join us here on red blue radio tonight shane thanks for joining us man we would love to do it again and break down this second half of this group of wide receivers that i want to talk about and and again these are uh this is a, a very good time to trade and wheel and deal in dynasty leagues this is the time where you get the value and you scoop it up before everybody starts to realize what exactly is going on so shane thanks for joining us man come back anytime yep. thanks for having thanks, me i appreciate it and uh and, and no thank you both so much Hey, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Shane P. Hallam. Has a couple of great podcasts, Mike, uh, all over the place. If you go to his Twitter 
uh, Twitter following there. The Shane P. Hallam crew will uh, will take care of you, and you'll be able to find him just about everywhere you can. And he's, uh, like I said, he's just a student of the game, enjoys the breakdowns, love listening to his breakdowns. And, and Mike, you've got some money to be made here in just two weeks from now. You have a pretty good playoff team in the FFWC. You drafted a lot of Ravens, and right yes, now you're sitting at 11th overall. You can do it, man. Well, you know, let's hope so. Uh, we're sitting there with uh, Joe Flacco, Ray Rice, Torrey Smith, Anquan Bowden, Baltimore kicker, D. But on the other side of it, we still got Frank Gore and uh, Randy Moss. So uh, <laughs> Rachel was like, what kind of jersey am I going to wear for Super Bowl? I said, Pull up that old uh, Minnesota Minnesota Vikings Ray, Randy Moss jersey. That'll work. That's Moss it, Mike. Moss on the back of the jersey. We'll so, talk about yeah. it next week. Ten seconds. We'll see you guys later. Thanks, Mike, and we'll That's talk good, to man. We appreciate your support. Take care.